place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Welcome home once again. If you don't know me, my name is David, one of the pastors here, thrilled to be sharing from the scriptures. Uh, two quick important things. I know we already talked about Father's Day, but just so grateful for my dad. I'm so grateful for the trajectory he set me on as a pastor and as a church planter and as a pioneer of the faith. And so we're just so, I'm just so grateful to have been raised in a house with such an amazing example to be able to help me now raise my kids within a, some, uh, the same example. So dad, I love you and I'm grateful for you. And, and, uh, and yeah, and the other thing that makes it a little complicated is that today is also my anniversary, my 12 year anniversary. And so babe, I love you. I want you to know I already got this. We're, we're heading to Paris right after the service today. Paris, Texas maybe? Yeah, we can have in the car. Okay, anyway, I love you and I'm so grateful that we, um, that God connected us um, on MySpace of all places, <laughs> Facebook, and then um, and that you took a chance on this uh, on this mess at the time, and so just so grateful for you, grateful for the life that we have, and I'm also grateful that you um, helped make me a dad, and so you're the best. Love you. Okay, so enough of that mushy stuff, guys. Uh, all right, so we're on week three, everyone. Week three of our summer series called Let Me Explain, a series where we're talking about why we do what we do the way we do. And we're committing our time in this series talking about why we do what we do the way we do because of the growing reality in our world today that people outside these walls and also people within often and likely have no real understanding for why we do what we do as a church. If you weren't aware, the latest numbers in our own backyard are that regular church participation in LA County is down to less than 5% of the population. 5%. If you do the math, that means that there are more than, and this is conservative numbers, more than 9.5 million people in our lives, in our jobs, in our schools, in our families, in our neighborhoods that have no clue the good news that we have they have no clue why we go to church, why it matters, and why we do what we do while we're here. For much of the world, going to church is like visiting a foreign country with different language and different practices and different norms and different expectations. And so as church people, when they ask, and even when we ask, we need to be ready to say, let me explain. So let me explain why. Week one we talked about, anyone remember? Baptism, I'm glad it was, <laughs> oh man, is this working? All right, so baptism week one. All right, if you missed it, go back and listen. Week two, what did we talk about? This was last week, what did we talk? Singing at church, absolutely. Why do we sing? Let me explain. Well, today as we continue, I'd like to explain a timeless, non-negotiable practice that the church has carried and committed to for more than 2,000 years, and that is the Lord's table, or what we call communion. Communion. But before we get to communion, quick show of hands. Uh, who likes eating? Yeah, we eat good, especially on potluck days and those burritos. Oh man, it's so good. Now, who's got a favorite meal? Anyone? Quick raise their hand. 
Luke, I know you got a favorite meal. What is it? Pizza. All right. That's good. A little generic, but I'm with you. Okay, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Spaghetti. I love it. Okay, all right, yeah. I'm not going to try. That sounds awesome, though. Anybody over here? Harry, what's your favorite meal? Tacos, cool. All right, Tony, what about you? Porterhouse steak. Come on over to my house. We'll be smoking it after service. Here we go. Anybody else over here, Sam, what you got? Your mom's pasta. Is it like, is it like a, a red sauce or is it a... Oh, come on. Mmm, let's go. Let's go. Food is so good. And y'all, I love eating. I always have. Food matters to me. And, and it's not just for, for flavor or substance or to keep me alive. Food, for me, it has, has always had this ability to connect me to moments. As you think about your spaghetti, right? Connects you to moments and memories and meals of people and places. Like, for example, this past week, Rebecca's parents were in town. I think some of you probably met them last week. Um, Pastor Don led our communion message last, last Sunday, but uh, her folks were in town, and, and we wanted to show them all our favorites here to give them the full California experience from the Deep South, right? And so last Sunday after church, um, I packed up everything, and we decided to go and introduce them to In-N-Out Burger, okay? First time. Listen, I braved the line, and it was so worth it. But as I was pulling up, so I, I pack up all my stuff, and I get in the car, and I'm solo, and I pull um, onto Lowell and, uh, and Foothill, right? And I'm kind of waiting in line here, and as I do, I'm, I'm somehow flooded with all of these memories. And, and I don't know if you've ever had something like this happen, um, but as I'm sitting in my car, I was immediately brought back to August of 2019. This was our first visit we ever had to La Crescenta. At the time, we were living in, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, pastoring a church that we planted there called New City. Um, when we were invited, um, by way of this trip to Sweden, we were invited through this trip to Sweden to come and see you, to come and see this church and this city, to see if this is what God might have for our, our family moving forward. And so Rebecca and I dropped the kids off with my folks, thanks mom and dad, and we, uh, we make our way west. We fly into LAX because we didn't know any better, right? And, and the first thing we do after we land, we get our car, the first thing we do is we drive to In-N-Out. And this was my first time ever eating at In-N-Out. So I didn't know what to order. I didn't know what animal style anything was, okay? I didn't know how to order or what to expect, but the meal, this moment, it ended up becoming one of those markers, um, those moments uh, that, that create a core memory in my life by which others now build on. And so I'm sitting there remembering our first visit as I'm driving into In-N-Out last Sunday. And, I, and as I'm doing it, I'm reminded of another memory, a moment uh, in my life involving In-N-Out. And this was after we decided to move here. Uh, it was November of 2019. Flew into Burbank this time, okay? Because I, I knew the Lord and, um, and so we flew into L.A. My dad and I flew into L.A. to look for houses because we had already decided, you know, we were going to be moving here and we wanted to find a place to live. So after a quick stop here at the church, hanging out with Tyla a little bit, um, we, we were like, man, we're hungry for lunch. And so where do you want to go? And I was like, Dad, have you had In-N-Out? And he's like, no, let's go to In-N-Out. So we're, we're on our way to In-N-Out, of course. And, the, and, and this is actually the same In-N-Out that's now in my backyard, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and the meal... 
uh, was right before we met with Robert Thomas to go and explore houses, Robert. This was such a gift, too. But it was a moment, friends, in this wild season of unknowns, ripe with faith and fear and, and now food. It was one I'll never forget, sitting at a table in back, now in my backyard, which is crazy, dreaming about what God might do here in L.A., and this is where my mind went last Sunday as I was driving in to order. It was these core memories as I was waiting in line. And I, listen, for, I know it's just burger and fries, but in my mind, anytime I pull up and wait, anytime I, I, I enjoy that delicious double-double with cheese animal style, no onions, friends, no onions in case you're ordering from me, <laughs> I just can't help but remember. It always brings me back. The meal the place, the smell, the white hats, the Bible verses on the bottom of the cups, all of it brings me back to this life-changing season when God moved us to California. Now, what am I getting at? Here's where we're at. Food has the ability to connect us. Food has the ability to bring us back to shared experiences and memories and powerful moments from, from Christmas dinner to hot dogs at Dodger Stadium, to movie theater popcorn. There are so many examples of how, how we have created these core moments built around eating together. And what's wild, check this out, is that there have been a number of studies from scientists all over the world that have found a direct link between the region of our brains that registers taste and the area of our brains responsible for encoding time and place for recording memories. Let me say that again. Science has discovered a direct link between the food we eat and the memories we make. Pretty awesome, right? Meals literally make memories in our hearts and minds to be remembered again and again. And we've all experienced those, those moments of remembering over a good meal. And that's because God, in all his sovereignty, God, in all of his greatness, he created us with the ability to, to make memories and recall those moments and meaning behind them with food. This is how God designed us from the beginning. And it's, this, and it's this ability that he gave us that's literally woven into the very fabric of humanity. It's this ability to remember that we'll be leaning into as we take a closer look at this topic of communion, this practice, this ordinance and sacrament of communion. And so let me explain, friends, why we do what we do the way we do, starting first with the basics. What is communion? Because we just read in Acts chapter 2 that all the believers in the early church, followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. So what is the Lord's Supper? Let me explain. We first see this practice of Communion introduced, you guessed it, at a meal, at a final meal of, uh, of, of disciples and Jesus, now we, we know as the Last Supper. And this meal was actually a really significant, already a really significant moment for everyone at the table because they were there in that moment gathering together to celebrate the Passover meal. Now what is Passover? Let me explain. 
following back another 1,500 years before Jesus to the, to the moment where Moses was sent by God to free Israel from captivity in Egypt. Now, at this moment in time, this history is amazing. At this moment, Israel had been enslaved for 400 years when God heard their cries and decided to, to help by sending Moses to rescue them. So Moses, he shows up in Egypt and he says, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh says, I don't think so. And, and he says, I don't think so, nine times, but God sent 10 plagues. And the last one was the, the angel of death who would come in and take the life of the firstborn of all in Egypt. Not good, right? But God, he made a promise. God made a covenant, and we talked about covenants a couple weeks ago, but, but he, he made a covenant that he would spare anyone in the land that found a pure and spotless lamb, and they would kill this lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of their home. Because then, when the angel of death came that night, it would know that this family was protected by God. This family was protected. This was a, it would pass over the house. The angel would pass over the house. This is where we get the word Passover. Cool, right? So that night, the angel came, taking the lives of all the firstborn, and it was this breaking point uh, for the Pharaoh. So he finally said, all right, Israel, get out of here. And so they went. And this was the moment, all wrapped up in this, this story called the Exodus, um, that, that, they were, that they were celebrating. And, and this was like the Super Bowl for Jewish people, okay? They celebrated like crazy every single year, which brings us back to the Last Supper. Jesus introduces what we call the Supper, or communion during this celebration, this Passover meal. And this is the story right here, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 26. It says this on the screen. It says, as they, who is Jesus and his disciples, as they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them, saying, and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. So if you remember back to the Passover for a second, the blood of the Lamb confirmed the covenant between God and Israel. Incredible. Now Jesus is saying, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, the Apostle Paul, he expands on this Passover meal communion introduction moment in 1 Corinthians 11, and it says this, starting in verse 23. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some of the bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given to you for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, the perfect Lamb of God. And this is verse 26. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And this is what the Lord's Supper is. This is, this is what communion is, historically known as the Eucharist. And the Eucharist, it, it comes from the Greek word meaning thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And so 
This practice called communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, Eucharist, it has been practiced now by the church for more than 2,000 years. The consumption of bread and, and wine, juice, the cup, commemorating this moment described in Matthew 26 and Corinthians 11. And so this is what we do. This is what communion is. The church gathering to eat and to drink from the cup with gratitude and thanksgiving. This is what. Now, let me explain why. Why we do what we do. Well, first and foremost, over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of broken down this first why. And, and just like week one and two, we practice communion. Why? Because God told us to. Okay? This is first and foremost. We do this, we practice communion because God said so. This is why communion is often called an ordinance. Because Jesus orders us or commands us to do it. Jesus tells us to make it a regular practice for his people, and so we do. This is literally why we take communion. But, bringing it down to earth a bit, why did Jesus command it? Why did Jesus command it? Why is eating bread and drinking from a cup, why is this, this meal that has ties to the Passover celebration of Israel, why is this an ordinance, a command for God's people? This is where it gets interesting. And it really taps back into our brain chemistry. So, 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus tells us to eat the bread and drink the cup for two primary reasons. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first reason why we do this is to remember. We take communion to remember. And this is key because so much of the Christian life is built around remembering. So much is built around remembering. Check this out from verse 23. It says this. It says, Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Jesus commands us to take communion because Jesus wants us to remember. Jesus wants you to remember. Just like the disciples in the upper room eating the Passover meal, remembering what God had done to free them from captivity in Egypt through this meal, through the Lord's Supper, Jesus wants you to remember all that he did to rescue you from your sin. Jesus wants you to remember the sacrifice he made for you as the perfect lamb of God so you might be made right in God's sight and live in his freedom forever. To remember the new covenant he made between you and the Father because of his immense love for you and the world. And, and I don't know if anyone here needs to hear this specifically, but I need you to understand that God's love for you is vast. God's love for you is immense. God's love for you is never-ending. And he wants you to know it. And he wants you to remember it. He wants you to remember his body broken for you on the cross. 
for your brokenness. He wants you to remember his blood poured out to cover your shame and protect you from the wages of sin and death. Jesus wants you to remember and to never forget who you are now to him because of what he did for you. And this is the first thing that we remember in communion. And while Jesus could have commanded us to remember in any number of ways. I think about this regularly. Like, why, why bread and juice? Like, he could, have, he could have commanded us to remember him by, by building statues or, or framing houses or baking cookies or wearing purple pants to the beach. I have no idea. He's God. He could have decided any way to help us remember him. He is God. But instead, he commands you to remember him with a meal. Why? It's because God knows how a meal can bring you back to a moment. God knows how a meal can bring you back to memories together. And he knows this because he made you like this. And so he takes ordinary bread and tethers its texture to, a, to, to, to his broken body as the bread of life. And he takes the cup and, and he binds its consistency, its taste, it, to his blood that was poured out. And so when you now approach the table just like me, like driving up to In-N-Out, when, when, when you approach the table to eat and to drink the flavor and the texture and the taste, all of this meal, it might recall in you the memories of him who saved you, the memories of him who, who, who met you in your mess and brought you into his goodness. And this is, this is communion. It's history, it's biology, it's chemistry, and it's memories all coming together in this cohesive, supernatural, sacramental moment. And one of the things I like so much about this ordinance of communion is actually it's Jesus, he takes ordinary elements he takes the bread, the cup, two ordinary everyday things, and he makes them into a sacred ordinance designed to refocus our hearts and minds on the reality of his love and goodness and grace and compassion. Jesus, think about this, Jesus didn't connect his sacrifice to something rare. He, he connected his broken body to something. He, he didn't connect his broken body to something hard to find or his blood to something crazy expensive only rich folks could afford. Jesus, he prepared the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table with a common ingredient at a common table for anyone and everyone across all space and time to come together and see what God is like and to remember what he has done. And so we eat to remember. We eat to remember because meals make memories. And this is why we take communion, because it brings us back. It brings us back symbolically and subconsciously, and it causes us to remember, because God wants us to remember. God wants to be remembered, and it's not because he's insecure, but rather because he wants you and me, he wants us to be secure. He wants us to be secure in his house. God wants our connection with him to be meaningful he wants a relationship with him to be real and not just some surface assurance that we won't go to hell. God wants you to be confident in your connection with him and what you believe about him. And this brings us up to our second reason that we take communion, found in Corinthians chapter 11. 
that first we take communion to remember because God wants to be remembered, but we also eat to announce. And this is verse 26. It says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. When you approach this table, when you approach this table, you are announcing that you actually believe Jesus is real. That you actually believe Jesus did what, he, what this book says he did. That you actually believe Jesus loves you and died for your sins. When you approach this table, when you take communion, you are announcing that Jesus is Lord of your life. Not just Lord of your afterlife, but Lord of your life today. That he is the sole authority and his way is now your way. This is what you're saying when you take communion. You are confessing together that the old is gone and the new has come. You are confessing together that once you were, you were dead in your sins, but now you are alive in Christ. You are confessing together that once you were, once you were lost, but now you are found. And you've been brought into this brand new life of freedom and opportunity and purpose and possibility. And this is what we announce when we take communion. We're declaring together Christ crucified for us. His body broken, the bread. His blood poured out, the cup, for the forgiveness of sins. And this is why, ultimately, why we take communion, why we practice communion. This meal matters because it's a holy moment practiced by God's people for two millennia to help them remember what God has done so we eat to remember. But it's also a sacred ordinance with ordinary elements ordained by God that reveals to the world your true allegiance. We eat to announce. And this is the Lord's Supper in Matthew 26 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and why we do what we do. Simple enough. But if you've got any amount of church history in your life, you've probably seen communion practiced a number of different ways or depending on church size or, or denomination or church background, church culture. And so the question I wanna, I wanna tackle before we go is, is this, like, so why do we do what we do the way we do it? And so first I wanna talk about frequency. We as a church, if, whether you're new or you've been around, we take, church, we take communion every single week. Why do we do this? We do this because we believe God wants us to remember and to announce our allegiance together as often as we gather. Communion isn't just a ceremony or a ritual to check a box or to earn a good standing with God, not at all. It's an invitation from God to his people to come weekly to refocus, to refocus our hearts and minds on what we profess to be true. It's a moment for us to strip away all competing loyalties and allegiances to remember, to repent, and to return to our first love. And I don't know about you. I talked about this last week. I don't know about you, but, but I have an incredible ability to forget God. I have an incredible ability to lose sight of what's true and to focus on all the wrong things, bringing everything back to me. And so I need this intentional moment to remember. I, I need all the moments I can get. I need the bread to bring me back to my moment of salvation. I need the cup to remind me of the perfect Passover lamb that covers me from the curse of death. I need it. We all do. 
which is why we take it every week. We take it every week, but, but we're certainly not unique in this practice. Charles Wesley, um, he was a, a pro prolific hymn writer in the 1700s. He actually, he's quoted saying this, it, it should be on the screen, it says, it is the duty of every Christian to receive the Lord's Supper as often as he can. As often as he can. John Calvin, the great reformer um, from the 1500s, said it like this in response to infrequent communion practiced. He says this, plainly this custom which enjoys us, enjoins us to take communion once a year is a veritable invention of the devil, whoever was instrumental in introducing it. For there is not the least doubt that the sacred supper was in that era, the era of the early church, set before believers every time they met together. And there is no doubt the majority of them took communion. The Lord's table should have been spread at least once a week for the assembly of Christians. And the promises declared in it should feed us spiritually. Get that? The promises in the table should feed us spiritually. And this is just where we're at. Not because it's a, a biblical prescriptive, but because it's good for us as God's people to regularly remember together the gospel and announce Christ crucified every week. It's good for us so we devote ourselves to it just like we saw in the book of Acts chapter 2. Now, Please don't misinterpret me. Uh, please don't interpret me saying this with a, a critical spirit towards anyone that chooses to do what they do differently. Everyone has their, their culture and convictions um, about this. Like, for example, I don't know if you know, so Catholics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, what a lot of folks would call the mainline church, they practice communion every single week. Baptists, a lot of other evangelical denominations like ours, um, they, they typically take it once a month. Why? Well, historically, it's because they didn't want to be associated with Catholics and Lutherans and, and, and Presbyterians, and so they, they went a different way. So they rolled it out once a month, typically when they took a benevolent offering, whatever. It's all good. I honor God's house, okay? I honor God's people. But we as a church, we will choose to allow the bread and the cup to bring connection to that little part in our brain every single week so we might remember the gospel with zeal or as often as we gather. So that's why we take it every single week. Now, why do we come forward to receive? We come forward to a common table as a church because we believe communion isn't about us as individuals, but rather it's about us as a family in God's house. It's remembering and reminding and confessing and announcing together. And so we come forward together to receive. And if you didn't know, the, the root word for communion, it, uh, this is where we get our word community even. It's actually the word union. And this is how we believe God intends this to be practiced in union with one another and in union with him. And so this isn't just a personal reflection time. It's also our collective announcement that Jesus reigns in this place. Amen? And so we come forward to remember. Now, is it wrong to pass plates with bread and, and the little plastic cups? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to take the little prepackaged, like, like cardboard wafers with like the weird juice that's sitting in the middle of the room? No, that's great. It's, it's fine. Um, we, just, we just believe that God wants us to be one family approaching his table together as often as we can. 
This is also why we serve gluten-free bread. Maybe you didn't know this, but we actually have our, our bread baked from within. Our, our favorite, um, uh, Emma Schultz and Ariana Maroka, they break our communion bread every week. Um, and we do that. We serve gluten-free bread and we serve grape juice instead of wine because we don't want anything to hold anyone back from this union. We don't, want any, we don't want there to be any obstacles. We want everyone who has placed their trust in Jesus to feel welcome at the table. And this priority, it connects us to the last piece I want to talk about briefly, and that's what we call open communion. We practice open communion here at Highlands, which is essentially, it means that we believe the communion table is for anyone who has placed their trust in Jesus. You don't have to be a member here to come to the table. You don't have to be in leadership or to be a Baptist. You don't have to give money or be a regular attender. You could be, this could be your first time here, and you would be welcome to the table. If you believe that Jesus is God and that his body was broken for your brokenness and his blood is poured out to cover your past, then you are a new creation with something to remember and to something to announce. If you are a Christian, then you are welcome to the table. This is open communion. But with that said, if you haven't crossed that line of faith, the reality is this meal, it isn't for you yet. Why? Is it to limit you? To exclude you? No. It's simply because at this point in your story, you don't have something to remember yet. And at this point in your story, you don't have something to announce, which is the whole point. This meal isn't for you yet. But the good news is God wants more than anything for you to eat. God wants more than anything for, for the entire world starving for something that will finally satisfy. He wants everyone to pull up a seat at his table in remembrance of him. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't, you don't need to have all your stuff processed before you choose to believe. Now, God accepts you just the way you are. He accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. So hear me when I say God has such massive dreams for your life. God has incredible hopes and promises rich with purpose and significance, joy and peace where you always have a seat at the table. And he has done everything humanly and supernaturally possible to ensure this future is available to you. But now it's up to you. Now it's up to you to want something to remember. Now it's up to you to want something to announce. Now it's up to you to want the life you are always made to live. That's up to you. And you, you can make that decision. Here and now, honestly, we all can. We all can and we all should, which is really what makes the Lord's table so powerful and such a gift because every time we approach, it's another opportunity to decide. Every time we approach the table, it's another opportunity to confess, to, to profess and announce with focused hearts and minds what we believe to be true. Every time we approach the table of God, 
It's another opportunity to place ourselves back within the story of the gospel and the saving work of Christ. Every time we approach, it's another opportunity to be thankful for the immeasurable love of God and the forever freedom that flows from this new exodus through the perfect Passover. Every single time we come forward to the table, whether we've been whether we've had a seat here for 60 years or, or we've been pulling up now for the past six minutes in our mind, in our heart, as we've given our life to Jesus, every time we gather, every time we gather, we have the same opportunity. So let us be a church here at Highlands that welcomes the bread, that brings us back to our moment of salvation with glad and sincere hearts. Let us welcome the bread. Amen? Let us be a church that welcomes the cup as an announcement of our allegiance to Jesus with integrity and fidelity. Amen? And finally, let us be a church where the door truly is always open. The door is always open and the table is always set for any and all to come and see what God is like. Because this is why we do what we do. This is why we're here this is why we gather. This is why we're baptized. This is why we sing. This is why we are the church. This is why we take communion. Now, as we close today, I, some of the band, Becca, are you just going to come up? Okay, come on up. Becca's going to come up and, and lead us in a time of communion. And I just want to encourage you, as we do, here at the church, we kind of come down the sides, hit the side. I'm going to serve. Manny, do we have another someone else serving today? Don, you're serving? Can I serve with you today? Okay. And so what we're going to happen, you're going to come down, hit the, hit the center, and then kind of retreat back the center aisle back to your seat. But as we do, as we take this time of communion, I just want to encourage you as we begin to take a moment to reflect. Reflect for a moment on what we've covered. Reflect on your own story and the moment that God stepped in when you were in your mess and brought you into this new life as a member of God's house. Remember for just a moment where God met you. Remember for just a moment the state that you are in when God chose to rescue you from your past. Remember for just a moment, reflect and remember how God stepped in and brought you into this whole new way. This whole new way. And so remember for a moment, take a minute, think about the things that might be in conflict in your heart and mind, maybe in conflict in your life, and bring that before the Lord right now. Confess that to Jesus. Because we're going to come forward in a moment to commune with God and with one another. So take a moment to just reflect. And, and maybe for you, you're here and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. It's Father's Day. I wanted a burrito. I'm going to go and do something after service with Dad. I don't know. I don't know why you're here. Maybe it's for the first time. But if you do not know the Lord, let this be a moment right now. Let this be a moment right now, and all it takes is you and your heart and mind to just make this decision, this faith decision to say, Jesus, I believe you're real. I believe you're good, that you love me and you lead to peace. God, I surrender my life to your lead. I surrender my life to your authority. From here on out, I'm following you in community. This is all, that's all it is. It's saying, it's just acknowledging, Jesus, I believe that you're real and you did what you did to bring me from the past into your glorious future. And so, Jesus, from here on out, my life is with you. And if you did that today, welcome to the table. If you're still on the fence, 
Come and talk. We'd love to talk with you more about it. But as we approach the table together today, let's just take a moment to remember. And as we come forward, recognize that, that your presence at this table is an announcement to everyone else here. That you are with Jesus and he is with you. So let me pray and then we're going to come down and celebrate this together and then we will we'll take off. So Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your body broken and your blood poured out. Thank you for the bread and the cup. Jesus, we thank you that you are worthy of our praise, that you are worthy of our affection. We're so grateful, God, for all the ways you've met us, all the ways that you've led us, all the ways that you've saved us and are continuing to sanctify us, to refine us into your image. So Jesus, today I ask that you would just put images into our heart and mind of disconnects that have to go, competing loyalties that have to be abandoned at your table today. The things that we need to confess before you today, God, we, we humble ourselves and we submit to you today and we say, God, you are in charge, you are Lord, the earth is yours and everything in it, including me. And so, God, today I, I, some, I, I humble myself before you as a loving father, and I'm coming to your table to commune with you. And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this gift, for this meal that brings back so many memories around us. So, Jesus, we ask that you, that you would just do it again that you would keep moving and keep shaping and keep leading and keep growing us, both as individuals and as a church family, God, so that we might make most, we make, might, might make much of our lives in showing the world what you're like. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we are so grateful that we can come to the table with you today. And it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen. So why don't you come forward when you're ready?
Why don't we stand and let's sing this chorus together. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy to be praised forever and a day. Worthy, worthy, oh worthy. You're worthy to be praised forever. One more time, worthy. Let's sing this together. Come on. Worthy, worthy. Jesus, we honor you today. We thank you. We remember you and we announce our allegiance again in this house. That Jesus, you truly are our Lord, that you are our King, that you are our Savior, you are our teacher. Jesus, you are all, and we are all in on you today. And so God, we ask that you would just continue to lead us, to meet us in these moments, to shape our hearts and minds, to help us remember and to announce every single day who you are, what you've done, and what you promise. So God, we love you and we thank you for today and this moment together. Let this moment be one of those core memories that we all have so that as we come before you and take the bread and the cup, it will inspire in us this memory, this recognition of what you've done here in this moment on this day. So God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being here. If you didn't get a burrito, go grab a burrito. They're great. I'm going to grab two. And then if anyone's hungry for In-N-Out, I'll meet you there, okay? Have a great Sunday, everyone. We'll see you soon.